when you're faced with adversity, do you flounder or fly? I'm Simon Ratcliffe, and on Turning the Tables, I share candid, powerful stories of people who have turned around adversity in their personal or business lives to find new purpose and meaning. In each episode, I will dig deep to uncover the mindsets that turn adversity into advantage. Hey, it's Simon, and welcome to episode 20 of Turning the Tables. Now, we all like a compliment, don't we? It lifts your mood and gives you that extra little spring in your step. Well, kindness is the subject of this episode. It's those little acts of kindness that can make a difference in people's lives. But sadly, it seems this fundamental human behaviour only seems to emerge at times of crisis, submerged below the surface of our consciousness. Well, today we're going to put that right, because kindness is the subject of this episode. I'm joined by my two guests, entrepreneurs and kindness evangelists, Amy Giddon and Jane Murray. Both Amy and Jane have had successful business careers in the corporate world, but have now turned their energies towards making a difference in the world by promoting and enabling little acts of kindness. Amy's business, Daily Aloha, is an app that enables people to follow a simple daily routine of answering a single thought-provoking question shared to the whole world each day and captured in a digital version of the humble post-it note. Jane Murray's business, Peacebeam, seeks to facilitate kindness by offering short meditations called Peace Beams, and these are designed for busy people to get you calm and connected. This episode is recorded during the current coronavirus pandemic, which in many ways is shining a light on our individual and collective behaviours, so a perfect time to be talking about this subject. In the conversation, we talk about the power of kindness to transform, both on a personal and on a business level. How Daily Aloha and Peacebeam are seeking to change the world through kindness habits. And finally, we talk about a blueprint for how kindness can make the world a better place. Our conversation started with Amy talking about what she believes kindness means in today's world. You know, as I think about this question, you know, I'd flip flip it around a little bit to think about the desired impact on the other person rather than even your own intentions. I guess I think about kindness as leaving another person better off, um, uplifting them, improving their well-being through your words and actions. How about you, Joan? Well, I think... I think kindness necessarily implies a recognition of the other and um, and a probably a kind of a reverence for the other. And I think that those those qualities of reverence and recognition are missing in a great deal of our interactions today. I think in in some ways that has been exacerbated by social media and how people use that. But actually, I think the issues, you know, were there 
earlier. I think there was a change in our understanding of our interrelatedness and our interconnectedness and our interdependence that eroded the kind of those those virtues, right? And kindness is one of the virtues, but those uh, the the idea of the virtues and the and the necessity for the virtues and and when you think about it it's kindness is the way in which we recognize that we are part of a greater whole because if we're not i mean it's not necessary if we're not part of a greater whole so i think it's Um, the recognition and the reverence for the other is really what marks kindness for me it's interesting isn't it because one might conclude that it's a, a fundamental facet of being a human being but clearly something has happened in our in our society and our world that means that we actually have to promote it. I, I really agree, Jane, with your you know, connecting kindness to our feelings of interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. And and I I think, you know, Simon, if you if we think about why kindness has felt diminished, I think it directly links back to our diminished feelings of interdependence and interconnectivity. Certainly here in the States, there's there's such a culture of individuality and independence. Um, and I do think it is, you know, through the recognition of our deep interconnectedness that, you know, kindness gets kindled. Um, and when the boundaries between me and you disappear, then Kindness just feels, it's just what we do is because it's for the greater good, but it's also for my good. I can't be, I can't be well without your wellness. Um, I can't be whole without your wholeness. So, you know, I think the idea of recognition that Jane brought up is really important. I mean, I think kindness is saying that you matter. Um, I see you and you matter. Um, And unless, you know, we all matter, to each other, you know, there can't be kindness. And I think we've strayed from that. You know, certainly again in the States, there's such um, societal divides, political divides, wealth divides. And, you know, that all makes it really easy to see other people as the other. And it frays our idea of interdependence and interconnection that we all matter and we matter the same, we matter equally. Um, so I think that's really impeded, you know, our, our, our kind actions. And I guess I'll just uh, tee up one other topic and throw it back to, to you both, which is that, you know, statistically, we've seen how loneliness and social anxiety is on the rise and empathy, you know, is on the decline. And this, the, the idea of being isolated and lonely is part of this equ- equation as well. And, social isolation actually kind of begets anti-social behaviors and lack of kindness. So it's, it is this, you know, cycle um, that has cycled down, but I, I also really see the potential for cycling that back up. Yeah, I think, I think the, in order, in order for us to thrive individually and as a collective, kindness is the fuel for thriving. Right. You know, however it's however it's manifested, um, and that can be at an individual level, but it could also be in in terms of the heart and mind of companies. For example, you know, if if you have that um, notion that you're you're embedded in the recognition of the other, um, 
in, in reverence for the other, in interconnection and, and interdependence, then a kinder approach to the world is obvious for everybody's thriving, I think. And I think the situation that we find ourselves in now, in this, you know, this first synchronous, like one world crisis that we're facing, which has never happened ever before, um, very, very, very rapidly in a matter of days and weeks, all of a sudden those kind of virtues are now surfacing and people are, you know, in some, in some ways desperate to relearn them, right, or to reconnect to them in themselves for the simple reason that we understand just as a matter of basic collective intelligence that without them, we can't thrive. Yeah, and I think that's a very good point. And, and I'm sure you've had the, the, the same in, in New York, Amy, but we've had a tremendous response here from people to volunteer to support the National Health Service. I mean, originally, I think the government had a target of of, of recruiting 250,000 volunteers. They've had to cap it now because we're at 750,000 people, which is like fairly, you know, impressive response. And, and I, I think you're right, Jane. At these moments, we are very good at coming together. It's, it's the bits in between where... It, Either we don't focus on it because the media isn't focused on it and so we're not perhaps so conscious of what's happening. Um, and it's the same with fundraising, isn't it? I mean, we have a charity over here called Children in Need. Uh, it raises huge amounts of money every year, millions and millions and millions, where people phone in donations. It's run through the BBC and... It's amazing. It's amazing sort of coming together of, of kindness and support for vulnerable people. Yeah, um, I think we've been good at coming together in moments of crisis because, you know, our compassion leaps forward and we want to help when we see people suffering. I think the moment that we're in is so unprecedented because as we've talked about, we all really feel our interconnectedness right now. And I, I hope that if that feeling can stay activated, you know, this altruistic behavior that we're seeing now might be sustained in the regular moments, like you're saying, Simon. I mean, we are, as humans, are really good at coming together in crises because our, you know, our hearts get activated. We're also really good at coming together in moments of triumph. You know, we come together in tragedy and triumph because our feelings are so big that we need to share them with others to share our burdens and our joys. But I, I hope that by feeling more interconnected every day, that we don't just come together at those high highs and those low lows, that we can feel that sense of connection more in the everyday. And, you know, the behaviors that we're seeing now, these great altruistic behaviors become more of the norm. Yes. Can you get, uh, both of you, you'd be really interested in, in what you see as great examples of kindness. I, I'll actually speak to something that I've discovered through my own business. You know, I, 
we might talk about it later, but I have an app, a mobile app, um, and I ask the world a question every day. And I have asked several questions about kindnesses, either kindnesses that people have bestowed on others or kindnesses that people have been on the receiving end of or kindnesses that they've witnessed among strangers. And what I've seen come through in the app is that the most memorable kindnesses are those when people feel the most vulnerable. And people recount stories of moments in their own lives when they've been vulnerable and small, small kindnesses were bestowed, but they will never forget them. Because I think when we feel the most fragile and the most vulnerable, these little moments of being seen and recognized feel so outsized. The impact is so outsized because we're so desperate to be seen in our suffering in those moments. Um, and it's really heartbreaking and beautiful, you know, to read these recollections of those moments. Yeah, I think um, funny that that uh, being recognized, I think, or deeply listened to, um, I think it's for me is a recurring um, a recurring theme around around kindness, and perhaps that speaks to you know the issues that we have with the kind of fierce individualism and unnatural competition that marks our society now. That we don't, you know, we don't we don't listen to each other really in a way that is acknowledging. And I think that there is something, and it requires, you know, so little really. It, only somebody's time and attention. But I think that it's so restorative when people have um, had that recognition and somebody has genuinely witnessed what it is to live another person's life, what it is to be another person. And I think that those are the moments when, as Amy says, you know, the, the impact is so outsized because, because it's so hard for us to feel that anybody truly understands what it is like to be us, you know, um, despite the fact that we all have the same blueprints, right? <laughs> you know, our internal worlds, you know, remain a mystery even to ourselves often. So um, to have that witnessed, I think, is, is, is in, in my experience, that's one of the profoundest acts of kindness that you can do for somebody. I completely concur with that, and I mean, from my own experience, when when I was um, ill, uh, there were little things that made such a massive difference. It was, for example, I'm very prosaic, but my my friends who I, I go fishing with, um, they kept me in touch. What was going with going on? They sent me little pictures. They included me as if I was still part of the group that we're all part of even though I wasn't there. And that made such a massive difference because it's exactly the point I think both of you are making. It's recognition. Mm -hmm. It's recognition that you're there and you matter. Right. And I think that's it is very powerful. Yeah. I heard this beautiful story and it was told by a, uh, a monk, a Benedictine monk, and he had uh, he had a friend who used to um, <laughs> do you remember in the days where people would have like 
you would take photographs and then you would have them made into a slideshow. Obviously, I'm showing my age now, but that's what happened when we were kids, right? Like people would have, like, have all their holiday snaps on a slideshow. And like one of the worst things was if somebody said, would you like to see my slides? <laughs> <laughs> Two hours later. Yeah. And so, and he said that, you know, somebody asked him, well, you know, what do you think heaven would be like? And he said, he said, in heaven, it will be the first time that somebody really wants to see your slideshow. <laughs> like, if you, like if you imagine your life as a series of slides that, you know, they want to know all about it. Like, so I thought that was a really beautiful way to describe it, you know, how, uh, yeah, you, we, really, we really crave that recognition from each other, I think. If we if we turn it into ourselves, how has kindness affected you in your life? What has brought you to feeling it's so important now from your own personal points of view? I'll relate an anecdote from third grade. And it, and maybe this really did go into the, my own, you know, kindness development because I don't have a lot of memories from grade school, but this one really sticks out. So I guess it was it was really profound for me. Um, there was a class, I had a classmate who, um, just wasn't accepted by the other kids. Kids, kids can be so cruel. I think as we all know from our own, um, life experience and maybe those of our kids, um, you know, there's in groups and out groups and kids are trying on all sorts of things for size. And anyway, this, this little girl, I guess grade three is what we're eight or nine, had no one to sit with at lunch. She wasn't included in the games. She, 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 she was um, kind of marginalized and treated as an outcast in our class. And it hurt me. It wounded me to to see that. And I remember thinking about you know what it would be like to change that for her. And then. You know, I, I certainly didn't know the phrase social capital when I was in third grade, but I think it's those feelings of what does it mean for my social status, you know, to be befriending someone who is sort of an outcast. Anyway, I did. I invited her to sit with me at lunch. I started, you know, bringing her home with me. I was seen with her on the playground. And um, it actually changed her life, this little decision that I made she she started having friends and being included and um it it changed me I mean as much as it might have changed her I hope it did her her experience in third grade it changed me and it, it sort of astounds me that I keep thinking about this even to this day and I, I think I think part of it is recognizing the power we have to, to change someone's life and your own, you know, we're changed through extending ourselves to others. So others are changed, but we're changed by that act. Um, and, you know, thinking about the power that we have is, is, um, you know, kind of incredible and a little bit terrifying too, when we let ourselves really understand that. Um, so you know, I, I do wonder if that set me on a path of just, you know, deep caring and wanting to wield the power that I have um, in a way that benefits humankind. Mm. I think you touch on a very important point there about the effect it has on, on, on the giver as well as the receiver. 
Well, research does confirm that. Yeah. Research confirms that um, for the giver, it brings greater sense of well-being, more happiness, more optimism, you know, all those second order impacts of health impacts of being happy. So it absolutely um, benefits the giver quite a lot. And there's actually science to that, isn't there? So it's not, this is not just a sort of made up response. It's actually been observed and recorded through neuroscience and, and, and things like that, hasn't it? Yeah, there's a huge amount, there's a huge amount of science actually, a growing body of science on that. And the Dalai Lama, one of his famous quotes is, be selfish, be kind, you know, because the, the benefits to yourself far outweigh, um, you know, what you can do for somebody else. How has it affected you, Jane? Picking up from what Amy was saying about the power that we have and the impact of our choices, you know, that understanding that there's no <clears throat> there's no such thing as a small choice, right? There's, they're just they 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 you know that's a that's a myth that we carry to kind of I don't know protect ourselves from our own the impact of our um, our own lives on other people's, and I think um, you know as a child, I uh, like Amy was incredibly affected by the small unkindnesses and the impact that they have on other people and you can observe that you know really clearly in in the in, in schools and, and you know amongst children um and i was always considered to be a very kind person it was like you know that was one of the descriptions that would come and then as i kind of in young adulthood when i was in you know went into a corporate world and that world of really quite extreme unnatural competition you know, I think I lost a lot of that because I think that the, you know, that's an adaptation of survival almost that you kind of adapt to the the situation that you were in. But it always really troubled me because you couldn't, you know, a lot of the decisions that were taken um, in, you know, the, in the professional capacities that I was working in or with colleagues that I was working in, you wouldn't directly call them unkind, but you could trace the impact, right? The impact was exactly the same. And I think it was, it was through kind of prolonged exposure to that and seeing the impact that it was having on myself, how it was eroding my my own sense of self and my own connection to self, that um, it, I think that that was the biggest impact uh, for me and really understanding. Like I said at the beginning, like this is a matter of like basic intelligence, you know, how it operates. It's not a question of, you know, it's a nice to have. It's an absolutely without it we can't thrive and we can't function and I think that it's um, where we cut ourselves off from the impact of our choices and our power and we turn away from our capacity for kindness and interconnection we do ourselves tremendous internal injury I think um, that manifests in lots of different ways. It's interesting because in, in, in our podcast episode with you, you Jane, um, obviously you talked a lot about, you know, the, the business environment mm. you were in. Mm. But I think that applies to wider business environment. There seems Definitely. to be this sort of dichotomy or mm. uh, if that's the right word, between being successful in business and showing kindness as almost as if those two things are, mm. are directly opposite each other. So you can't be kind and be successful in business because success in business is all about that 
fundamental competitive nature and all the rest of it. And, and I wonder how much that plays into our collective view about kindness and, you know, because success is what, you know, the world does measure itself by. Is that Was that your experience as well, Amy, in your business life? You know, yes and no. I think that I was fortunate and I, I did find myself in a lot of very um, compassionate business environments where there was an attitude of um, the bottom line matters, but it also matters how we treat each other. Um, but I've also seen the opposite. I mean, I think that um, part of it is really outdated models of leadership. You know, and part of it is just capitalism, right? Where, like, you know, what what we're measuring about and how how company success is measured and valued, which is always just shareholder value. I mean, we we are seeing changes. We see activist shareholders. We see um, different models of leadership. I think we need to do a better job of shining a light on leaders who are modeling different kinds of behavior that are balancing, you know, the bottom line with um, with other measures of success, like employee thriving. Um, so there's glimmers of hope, I think, out there, but we still have a long way to go in how we, how we measure not only the effectiveness of leaders, but also the success of companies, hmm. where we need to integrate you know, financial measures with other measures in terms of their uh, corporate citizenship, um, in terms of employee equality and access to an ability to, you know, to, to live thriving lives, the impact on the planet. I mean, we just have incredible way to go. Um, but there's some glimmers of hope out. Just bring us around to, you know, the subject of, of this podcast, actually, about adversity. What, how do you think kindness can, can help people in adversity? I'm wondering about it in relation to the person who is in the adversity or is suffering from the adversity, what power can it have in those circumstances? That question brings to mind for me, uh, 9-11 here in New York. So um, being in a suburb, I live in a suburb of New York City where um, we were greatly affected by 9-11. There were in our small town, I think four people that perished in the, in the towers that day. And those people had probably a, a dozen kids uh, between them who were friends with my children. Um, and I remember really vividly that um, there were, the, you know, the community, of course, rallied behind these families, but no one, you know, could really soothe their pain. Um, but what I remember hearing about is um, acts of service amongst these families and how a lot of the 9-11 fa families engaged in acts of service in their communities and toward others. And that was the most healing thing of all. So, and I think the research also supports that um, feelings of gratitude are soothing. You know, when you're suffering or in adversity, acts of service, acts of kindness. And we've already talked about the research that validates that acts of kindness improve our own individual well-being. So, um, yeah, so those, when we're experiencing, when we're suffering 
through adversity, you know, our own acts of service and kindness make us feel better. Um, so I know the research says that, but I, I'll just never forget these stories from our community in 9-11 and how that helped heal the children was engaging in community service. Yeah, I mean, that's very powerful, isn't it? Well, I think that's, you know, like Amy was saying, you know, that you couldn't take away the pain that that people were experiencing. Um, and we can't, you know, we can't remove challenges from people's lives or whatever adversity people are facing. We can't always make any difference to that. But I think that what we can do with acts of kindness or service is that we can give people hope and, uh, and that is such a powerful force. If you can inspire or ignite hope, a willingness, uh, a willingness to go on, then I think that that um, it assists people to find their strength to navigate the whatever adversity that they're experiencing. And it just, uh, you know, it's like it is like a blanket of benevolence that you can offer that doesn't, uh, it might not change directly the circumstances of um, somebody's experience, but it can assist them in traversing that. So I'd like to talk about uh, two questions. One is, how is your own business addressing this issue? How is it trying to um, promote kindness? And the second question is, if we are uh, if we are charged with writing a blueprint for improving uh, kindness in our society, what would we put in that blueprint? Jane, should we start with Peace Beam? Sure. Yeah. So, um, well, at Peace Beam, we make uh, we make guided meditations, which we call Peace Beams. But they're, I mean, I think really they're heart activations and. Um, they're a four-step technique, and the aim of that is to firstly bring the, the the listener into a state of heart and breath coherence. And there is a huge amount of science and ancient wisdom um, to point to the fact that once we can connect our heart to our breath, that we enter a state of coherence where we have access to that kind of higher intelligence that allows us to enter into the realms of our own capacity for for kindness and empathy and compassion and um, those sorts of uh, states. Um, And then the third step is an activation where we very specifically stir stir the heart. You know, it's a guiding guiding through uh, a way of looking at the world through a different lens and um, and then what we do is that we ask people for you know the state that they've achieved during that meditation that they then make it available to the world around them and that's really an intentional direction of that that energy so you know for us we kind of we describe it as making your well-being world being right um, you know we we need a lot of well-being these days and we also focus um, people on the fact that it, it, you know, it's the small acts, it's the small choices, it's the small things that we do that make the tapestry of our lives. We always think it's the big choices and the big, the big events or the big gestures, but it's the small things. And so, and I think one of the issues that we have today is with digital overload and stress and busyness and all the rest of it, is that people are just overwhelmed. They're just overwhelmed with getting through the day. And, uh, and so, you know, our aim is to reconnect people to their to their power source, their own power source for 
uh, and their capacity for for kindness and compassion and empathy and all of those things they're going to make them them personally feel better and you can do that as, as as simply as just choosing to smile so that's that's what that's how we do it <laughs> no there's no barriers to that and you know most of our most of our meditations are short you know they're 5 minutes deliberately they're 5 minutes to to allow people to get into that state and we know from our research and from our user base that you can move from anxious to calm and connected in in 5 minutes so that's what we do first i'd like to just say that i've i've peace beamed myself and they're beautiful and extraordinary so i have so much you know affection for jane and peace beam um and it, it's been such a like uh, a treat, you know, to get to know her and her business, and you know, we and now we, you know, we're finding ways to collaborate. Yeah, um, which is amazing. Which has been amazing. Yeah. So, um, Daily Aloha is a mobile app, and I, I think one of the things that has in common with Peacebeam, even though our you know access points are so different is the idea that it's little daily moments mm. that can really ladder up to change within yeah. and without, you know, that change that starts with yourself and ripples through the world. I, I think we, we share that belief. And even though we're entering, we're bringing people through different doorways uh, to access that, but we, you know, we sort of share that belief. Um, so our mobile app is uh, based on, a single uh, thought-provoking question to the world every day. So all of our participants are served up that question, are sort of united in that 24 hours in self-reflection on that same question. So it starts with yourself. You think about that question. You answer it. You have a moment of random and anonymous exchange with another participant, which you know creates this note of connection somewhere around the world. And then you're getting exposed to everybody's responses from that day. So all the people that have shared in that moment of reflection are, are now able to, to access um, everyone else's thoughts and feelings in response to that same question. So it really creates this moment of togetherness and shared experience. Um, what it also does is creates you know, sort of this feeling of compassion for yourself and others you know, our questions are quite deliberately designed um, to to open up that door to self-compassion and to self-awareness and self-acceptance. You know, it's circling back to the beginning of our conversation. You know, we talked about kindness really being rooted in, you know, acknowledgement mm-hmm. um, and seeing and being seen. And, you know, our app is really designed to... Um, to light up and activate that. But it also starts with yourself. I think people that are struggling with their own self-acceptance really have a hard time accepting others. So we try to close the loop. You know, it starts with self-reflection um, and then you have this note, this moment of connection with another and then with the whole world. But the idea is that it links back to your own feelings of worthiness, meaning, mattering. So, yes. you know, we offer a simple two-minute two daily ritual, and it, it's very small, but we do hope that through, day, you know, day to day to day that um, you get more grounded in yourself and acceptance of others, and it ripples back into your life. Yeah, and it is, a, it, it is an absolutely, like, beautiful 
experience as well. The and the user experience is amazing, and it's also as well as you know the the moments of reflection and everything. I mean, some of the responses are geniusly hilarious as well. I mean, they're absolutely brilliant. So, I mean, I've lo- I've loved I've loved the and I and I look forward to it every day when it comes in. So, and um, and it's and it's all over the world. So you get people's reaction from. It's it, you know it's random how you, how you're paired. I don't know how what the algorithm is for that, Amy. But you know some of the you know yesterday I got something back from Iran, a response to a question, and other days it's you know the US or Denmark or it's, so it's it's amazing actually. It's really great. Yes, I, I would agree. I think both both of your um, both of the the the, the platforms are are really good at just providing that i think you've said it is that sort of momentary pause to reflect and just to think about the wider world and and as you're saying there i think when you see the responses from around the world amy in daily helloa it really it really makes you think of one community take your point about someone who doesn't feel good about themselves and will make some remark in relation to that but then you're seeing that same remark from someone in Iran, someone in India, someone in, you know, round the corner from you. It it suddenly says, look, we're all sharing these these challenges, but we're all in our own tiny way supporting each other as well through through these vehicles. So going back to to the question about you know our, our vision for for kindness. I guess both of what your businesses are doing are starting from what we talked about a bit before, about ground up, really. They're encouraging ground up individual action, which then we hope percolates through society and communities. Putting aside our own, our own work, how, does, how do we take this to the next level? What does society and people need to do to move it on? I, I do believe in the grassroots aspect of it. Um, and then when I think about that, I think about children, right? That, that's our future. So I, I know there's some great organizations working to instill, you know, kindness values for kids. And, you know, for, for children, I mean, I, I really hope it's, it's about flexing that muscle because as we've talked about, it feels good to be kind, <laughs> Right, the the benefits come right back to you, and you would think that with the opportunity to flex that kindness muscle from a young age, it gets into muscle memory, and it feels good, and kindness will beget kindness. So, I think there are a lot of initiatives aimed at children and educate kindness education. Um, so, I'm a I'm a huge fan of that. Um, but what also comes to mind is our big systemic challenges of inequality that are, you know, based in our economic systems and all the rest. And when those systems, you know, marginalize people and create fragile economic lives um, and create fear and threat um, and all sorts of instability, you know, kindness just can't, won't be able to take root the way it needs to because people, when people act out of a place of fear and insecurity, you know, kindness is not top on the list. So um, those things have to be addressed in some way as well. Yes. Yeah, I think those two things are really interconnected. Actually, I think the, the more that we have a value placed 
on the value of kindness in real terms, the less tolerant we will be of those um, systems that marginalize or systems that exclude. Um, so I think they are interconnected in that way. And I agree with Amy. I think it's, um, you know, really uh, communicating to children that um, kindness is not just something that adults say, right? It's, but it's something of real value to themselves and to the world around them um, is vital, is vital. But I think, you know, where, where we all are coming out of the kind of old paradigms that we've had, often, you know, children aren't stupid, right? They can see that, you know, people say kindness is important, but actually the people who are elevated in our society, you know, that's not the first word that springs to mind about them. So, um, so I think that that's, that has to be a fundamental change. And that's, a, that's a shift in our value systems, you know, that's going to require, that's going to require work. I think that Amy and I probably both accept that, you know, we won't, we won't see the trees that grow from any of these seeds, right? You know, there'll be, uh, this is a long term proposition for all of us. So I guess, you know, I naturally come at it from my, my background, communication, and things like that. And um, I think some very simple principles. One, one is show people the benefit. So we've talked about the personal benefit that acts of kindness can bring as well as the benefit to the giver. So I guess my blueprint would be we need to show that benefit. We need to dramatise it in a very powerful way and a simple way that people can get hold of. I think we need to get people to try it. Because if you haven't tried it, you don't know. Mm -hmm. So if we get people to try it and try it more often, these acts, then they feel the benefit and then that, that sort of creates the momentum there. And encourage people in some way to share it, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that if we want to make this a ground up movement, those are the key components that somehow or other have to be manifested because ultimately if that creates enough momentum as we said earlier it will build up towards people taking notice at a level that they need to whether that's a government whether that's a corporation whether that's a a nation mm -hmm. that's a very good blueprint Simon your your answer was much better than ours <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we, we need a kindness yeah. challenge, right? Yeah. To replace the ice bucket yes, challenge absolutely. where people, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think all those things, all those things that can make it very tangible to people, very easy to relate to, very understandable and critically benefits them. Yes. Yeah. And funny enough, I think in terms of that, the mental health and physical health benefits of kindness, you know, if they were properly understood, people would be doing acts of kindness like they clean their teeth, right? Like Absolutely. it would just be something that you do every day. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that is, is, it feels to me that that's the seeds of where this has to go to create that, that, that change. Yeah. This has been a fascinating discussion. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for your contributions. I wonder whether we might just leave people with... Um, you know, what, what you would say to people about how they can get the benefits of kindness in their life, what, what would you say to people listening? I think what I'd like to say is how easy it is, right? As we've talked about here, um, these really small acts can have extraordinary impact. 
Um, you know, I'll go back to, to the app because one of the times I asked a question about kindness, it was extraordinary how many times people commented on being smiled at. Yeah. It, it was incredible. And it goes back to Jane, what you said, which I think is so perfect about recognition being the underpinning of that. Mm-hmm. When someone smiles at you, you've, you're seen, you're acknowledged, you think you matter. I mean, it's such a little thing with such incredible depth to it. So without being creepy, maybe we should just go around smiling more at people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it, well, it's funny, actually, because that was exactly what I was going to say. And, and smile, we have a piece being called Smile, which, uh, you know, it's, um, encourages people to smile more. It's our most, it's our most listened to, our most downloaded. Um, and And we get so much feedback saying, you know, I smiled more today and it was amazing. It really changed my interaction. So really that's what I would say is just like start small. Don't like don't set really high bar- bars that you're not going to hit because I think that that's something that we're in our productivity, like obsessed society where, you know, everybody's going to run a 10K or they're going to, you know, and I just think like just smile. Start with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it, I think it's it's giving giving it a go, trying yeah. something, trying a smile, see what effect it has. Notice the effect. I think that's the other thing we tend to do. We we might we might well smile at people, but not necessarily notice what's happened. And I think it's the combination of actually doing the act and then noticing. Yeah, noticing the effect on you, noticing the effect on the other person. That gives you the reward feedback, which I think hopefully encourages you that, you know, this is something that benefits everybody. Yeah, I had an interesting experience yesterday, um, which, which just speaks to how it's so important in this particular moment. Um, I've been trying to get out of the house and go for a walk <laughs> at the end of, of the work day. And I, I went for a walk yesterday. It was about 6 p.m., 6.30, so it was still light out. And I don't have a lot of options for where I can walk. I'm walking down the street and there's so everybody's out walking. And then when you come to another person, somebody crosses the street, you know, to keep the six feet. Um, and I, I passed people who crossed or I crossed who just kept walking with no recognition. And I passed people too, who, where we stopped and recognized each other, locked eyes and smiled. And it was a completely different experience. You know, it, it's it's a crazy time where other people can be a threat to us, right? So it's so much more important to to maintain our humanity in those moments where we're crossing the street to avoid each other, right? So um, I really felt the difference between when I had that moment of recognition and acknowledgement while avoiding each other physically and when I didn't. It was just a profound difference. So more than ever, I think we need to have that moment of recognition that we're human and experiencing this thing together. Great. Well, look, thank you ever so much. Um, really appreciate your time. And, and I hope uh, our listeners have got something out of that. I'm sure they will have. Thanks so much, Simon. It's been a pleasure. Real pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for all the kind words today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's face it, the world can do with a little more kindness. 
It's easy to forget that in our social media driven 24-7 lives, what a difference it can make. I certainly think that Amy and Jane's ground up approach has the best chance of building habits that can promote long-term change. And of course, business has an important role to play in changing behaviours, putting people before profit. It's time for change. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we going to be part of the solution or part of the problem? I will leave you with a quote from Harold Kushner. Do things for people not because of who they are or what they do in return, but because of who you are. In the words of Seth Godin, go make a ruckus. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Turning the Tables. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and be sure to listen out for the next episode, where I again will be exploring with my guests how they turned adversity into advantage. See you next time. Go safely.